arriving. Arriving. Arriving in here and now. Arriving is a turning towards. It's deliberate. It's values-based. It is a statement, it is a commitment to being present in the moment. We're bringing mindfulness front and center. We're inviting mindfulness, sati, to be infused in all of our experiences through all the sense gates. Why? Because we believe from experience, not believe, we know from experience, we know from our experience that this gives us the greater possibility of choosing non-suffering over suffering. We know from experience that through arriving, we become available to the moment, and the moment becomes available to us. Therefore, we have choice. We can connect based on our values. So here, back here at the beginning of the beginning, we're already aligning with what's wholesome. I find this to be important for me to really acknowledge this. Maybe you will also. We have such judging about ourselves, such a kind of poor attitude that we don't even notice it anymore. So you're not, oh, now I'm doing my practice. I want to be a good yogi. I'm going to try to follow what he says as best as possible. No, no, that's not what we're doing at all. I serve as a reminder. And if you never had this understanding before, I am the messenger of this uh, understanding that is available to you. Not my understanding, but your understanding through direct experience. That you wish to be present in the moment. And it's an established value, but you know you have to reconnect to it over and over again. This is the humility. We don't mind that we have to do that. Our dignity, our inner dignity, comes from our sincerity, not some a false, uh, extremely defended view of ourselves. Now, we live in the as best I am able reality, which is reality. And sometimes we don't do as best we're able. And therefore, that's why we practice to more and more be able to be present. How can we do as best I am able if we're not present, if we have no agency? if we're just habitual mind. This is adult-only teaching. 
The invitation is here in the arriving that you own your own situation, your own way of relating to the world. So you're clear as to why you're bringing mindfulness forth in this way. You're clear. And you do so with this inner dignity and humility that has no end. Not a, a negative view of ourselves. That's not humility. That's a judgment. Humility is the don't know mind, the beginner's mind. The may I. May I be present. May I be wise. May I be compassionate. Feel this in your heart. May I be wise. Let it echo there. May I be compassionate. May insight arise. May I be able to choose non-suffering over suffering. There is no end to the humility, no end to the bowing. Such a challenge in our capacities having their own limitations As we practice, there's slightly fewer limitations. There are new habits created. There's new clarity, new way to orient, an ever greater amount of presence, that we have more presence as we live our lives. This is Dharma for daily life. Arriving, arriving here and now. At some point you start to feel that you're accessing what's occurring within the body, mind, heart in this moment. You are in contact with the moment. Your mind's not off thinking about other things or off busy judging or comparing. Being available feels like this. You're present. You're mindful. Mindfulness is happening. Right now, you are present in the moment as it's unfolding, and you are both feeling it's unfolding, whether it's an itch or a a thought or a, a smell or taste. You are experiencing it. And you're also witnessing it. You're observing it with the mindfulness. This observing, observing, participating combination is what allows us to have wisdom, allows us to have insight arise in time.
because we're in the experience, but not totally consumed by it. There's a knowing that occurs. This knowing is a capacity. There's moments of what's known, but the knowing itself is a capacity that is independent of any given thing that is being known. Don't let it get heady, that statement. It's just very practical. I'm going to use a very simple example. A hammer is a hammer, whether there's a nail that's being driven with the hammer or not. The hammer's purpose is in relation to the nail. And for the nail to be uh, used, there needs to be a hammer. But the nail and the hammer are separate. What is nailed together in a moment is a combination of these two. It is the hammer that drives the nail. Without it, the nail is not actualized into a moment of creating a union, as uh, uh, making something manifest. Available, available. This moment. See the delight in just being here? Feel that delight. Just being here. Your knowingness is present. It actually doesn't need to know an object of experience that's unfolding because you're in touch with the knowingness, this awareness capacity. You're available to know. Delightful. And this knowing is not all entangled in what's being known. It's just knowing. The hammer's not all involved in the nail or the wood that's being nailed. It's just a hammer. It's, a, it's got hammerness capacities that make it a, a hammer. What we call hammer is that capacity. This is a very, very simple, easily fussed at analogy. So you're knowingness, you're available to know that you know. You're available. It's true right now. You can feel that for yourself. This is, I'm pointing out something that it's yours to experience. It's yours to realize, to have realization of this. There is knowing that is now available. Therefore, you are available to the moment, utilizing this knowing capacity, and the moment is available to you. Therefore, you get to co-create this moment's unfolding. Oh, this is a 
this 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 person's uh, reminds me of someone else, so I can see I'm being triggered here. I know I choose not to get triggered. I don't know this person yet. I will not succumb to this deciding I don't like them because they remind me of someone else that really hurt me. That's utilizing your mindfulness through this knowing capacity that you can know what you know and you can realize, you can have insight as to what would lead to suffering and what would not lead to suffering. And it's yours, it's your heritage. It's naturally arising. Easily provable that it's naturally arising. You can prove it to yourself. Mm-hmm. When we're available, because we're present in the moment, and therefore we have this capacity for making choice in the moment, it's an empowering experience. It creates agency in the mind-heart. But we have to recognize that agency for it to be uh, fully utilized, for it to continue to be developed. That's the way it's set up in the realm in which we live. It requires our active participating our deliberate choice. Some people, by the circumstances of, of, their, of their genetic makeup and uh, conditions in which they were raised, they may have such an innate kindness that they don't require very much mindfulness. They're just innately, seemingly innately kind. Others are innately wise. Some are both. But for the rest of us, it requires that we make this commitment, that we make this journey so that we can actually be what we already are. Even those for whom it's innate, there's still an invitation. A further union, a deeper communion. This is the nature of this realm. I make no claim as to why it's this way or how it came this way or what it means. But the pointing to is, it's like this. Having a human mind heart is like this. Therefore, 
Do we want to live a life of simply reacting the way we've been conditioned? Or do we want to have choice so that we can respond? Respond on what basis? On the basis of our values, the values we have developed from being a witness, an observer, and a participant in life. This witness observing mean two different words point to the same thing. This is what the heart gets to align with. The mind can lay all this out, but then the heart is the responsive quality. Notice if you quickly start limiting yourself as, well, maybe I, I kind of follow what he means, but I'm not so, I, you know, I'm not quick. I da, 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 da. Notice how easily we start to limit ourselves, excuse ourselves, disqualify ourselves from this having choice, from being able to choose non-suffering. Uh, disqualifying ourselves from insight that we say we don't, we can't have big insights, the Buddha's insights. We struggle with just our personal insights, which we are not so great at and can't stay in touch with. That's judging, that's comparing. Buddha Dhamma is not therapy. It's not fixing something. It's coming into something. It's liberating ourselves from our shackles to be who we already are. How profound we're going to be and all of that is such a, 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 a delusion. It's, it's a, it takes us away. We will be as we are capable of being, and that's our harmony. We will be in proportion to what karma has allowed to be in this lifetime, in this moment, in this stage of life. And that's where our dignity is because we, we are being true to what our capacity is as it unfolds, not some view about our capacity and certainly not what someone else has told us or conditioned us. To feel agency, to feel choice, is to claim. But the claim is so modest. I claim that I am committed to a life of as best I am able. The Dhamma is one of my main ways. may not be your only way at all, or maybe it's not even one of your top three. I don't know. But the Dharma is one of the ways that I utilize to be, to remember, to gain access to the innate choice I have, the innate agency I have as to how I meet the moment. How I come to live into more and more a values-based life. It's stirring, it's beautiful. It's so humble. So humble. As best I am able, 
So feeling this availability in this fullness of the implications of being available. What is the felt sense of being available to the moment and having the moment available to you here and now? What is it? What does it feel like? You're not thinking about it. You're feeling it. What's the intuitively, what does it feel like? What does it feel like in the body, in the belly? Is there a taste? Does the tongue have a certain sensation when you're with this this way? Is there a way that the throat opens? Or there's this kind of uh, feeling on the skin or or there's more of a feeling, an electrical feeling in the body. You're in the neighborhood of a direct feeling of this knowing. Are you supposed to be closer to? No, you're supposed to be just where you are. It's your orientation to where you are because you are available to where you are. Not in a big concept of it, a picture, but the felt sense here and now, just the immediacy of the moment. Remember, the immediacy is how you know you're available because you can feel the immediacy. And the humility leaves you there to stay with it rather than getting all your big thoughts, big ambitions, or little judgments that are cutting you down or making you feel inadequate. Now, this is aliveness right now. This is conscious aliveness. It's amazing that it is so hard for us to dare to dare to open to just being consciously alive. So humbling. So humbling. But it's not humiliating. There's no shame. There's no guilt. It's just confounding. Wow. I understand what my task is to be available. I understand. Okay, I will do as best as I am able because I definitely want to choose non-suffering over suffering. And then we realize we need support in this, that we need a kind of an overview to create an orientation towards this where it becomes more an unconscious part of us and not just conscious. And therefore we realize we need to align with something. This could be any uh, some, anything that elevates as long as it keeps you real, meaning real in terms of being present and having choice and not being some theory. And so in this tradition, we align 
with the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, the three gems, the three jewels. However you would understand each of those, you can align with anyone this moment, your own Buddha nature. Or the Buddha is a historical figure. Or the Dhamma is the truth. Or this the capacity of knowing what is and the way we're practicing at this moment. Or the Eightfold Path or this meta-kindness, or love in its unbounded way, or this capacity to know that does not get involved in what's known. It's got these qualities of emptiness and responsiveness, this awareness that knows. You often hear it referred to as that which knows. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. It exists in a different feeling of dimensionality. Or you want to be true to your heart's values. Choose one, deliberately cultivate it by feeling into what it's, its heart's meaning to you, feeling it embodied. It's what is your embodied feeling of it? There will develop today or someday quite a strong feeling of being aligned. You've had this feeling other times or you would not be here. You've been elevated. You've been stirred, awakened a bit. Or you would not be giving your time in this way. So trust that. At some point, we realize that we, in fact, are aligned with this. We are in touch with uh, with the Buddha, Dhamma, or whatever it is that you're aligning with, wise aspiration, wise intention. You realize that, yeah, you are. Your heart's in touch with that. And so you are aligned and available. Or said the other way, available and aligned. Each of us will experience that in our own manner. This can become more and more common for you. Happen more frequently with more depth and more stability through practice. 
So from this perspective, wanting is just an arising passing. So are all the other mind states. This is this is a place of rest, a place from which to relate to that which arises and passes so that we can gain wisdom. We can gain more choice. As the practice progresses, it is really what we're cultivating this early that will later on experience what is called disenchantment, where we're not drawn into anymore things of wanting and aversion. We experience then what is called dispassion. which gives us the full freedom of choice. It all begins here. This available aligned, aligned available is therefore like a ground, a ground. We are grounded in the flow towards liberation. More and more it becomes the new habit the new default, the way our mind hearts are as we go about the very complicated way we have to meet life as lay people. Later on in your practice, there will be other times when you come back in touch with this in a different form. But if you look closely in those moments of feeling liberated, you'll be right here. Here's the hint, the hint of a hint of the liberated mind heart. A a foretaste or a foreshadowing or hearing a distant sound, or smelling something so sweet, it's an ambrosia that's sweeter than anything you've ever smelled, or a taste that's honey-like, but beyond any taste you've ever tasted. These are what people report on retreats, long retreats.
just as one way. This is the more embodied way. Other people, it's so in the mind. It's like the, the thinking is so crystal clear, and that's what they report. It's so obvious now. How can I ever lose this when it's so clear? All of these are taste samples, foreshadowings, foretaste, hints. None to be clung to. It is the sincerity, the authenticity of each moment here and now that we organize around. We're always oriented to as best I am able from this humility and well as from this dignity. I have integrity. I, more and more, do as best I am able. I show up. I really am showing up. More and more, I have the integrity of showing up, of being mindful, and of owning my choice. Even though it's so modest a choice. But because of my humility, I don't mind that it's a, it's a modest choice. No objection. I don't have to be special better than anybody, as good as. Oh, that's delusionary thinking. My experience is contained within my own choice, my own agency. Staying in touch, staying grounded, available and aligned, aligned and available. This is the task. This is the practice. This is living from the heart with wisdom and compassion. Any feeling of one-pointedness that's present, there may be no thought. That's great if there's no thought. But there's a feeling of one-pointedness. It can feel physical, or it can feel like a mental thing. It can be like you're one-pointed on your breath, and you know what that's like. You're one-pointed to this understanding. The way you're relating to it is one-pointed. You're staying in the understanding. You're standing under the understanding in such a way that you allow it to seep in. Rather than grasping, there is no grasping. There's no one to grasp.
we will naturally start to have thoughts. We start to lose that feeling of being one-pointed, of having attention gathered. That's natural. Smile. You can move to rest, to move back to the feeling, just slightly inclining back towards that feeling of the one-pointedness, that awakeness. Or you can rest back in the knowing capacity, just resting back, knowing that everything that arises in the mind will pass. You can feel the breath as your anchor object and just stay in the breath without thought. Just observing, being present and know that you're observing the breath as you're experiencing it. Not holding on, not trying to hold on to anything, but feeling so available and aligned but it doesn't have the cutting edge to it now, but it does have peace. If you had something you're trying to hold on to and you can watch yourself trying to hold on to it, have such compassion for that part of you that wants to hold on. Of course it does. No reason to judge it. But you can also acknowledge the futility And with great kindness, invite the letting go to occur. Just letting go of that which you're trying to hold on to. If this whole thing was to your, it all passed you by this meditation, That too is okay. Seeds were planted. Many karmic seeds were planted. May not be your cup of tea ever, but those seeds will blossom in whatever mode of practice you employ as long as you continue with sincerity and availability and aligning. The seeds will grow in the soil of your practice. 
not as specified in what we did, what we're doing, what we will do in this day. Notice the quality of your attention. There is intention, there's mindfulness, and then there's attention. Is your attention, your spotlight of what you're focused on, is your focus got a steadiness or a calmness? a one-pointedness. An effortlessness. Or is there a feeling of uh, something being the attention's in harmony, that what the attention is on, there's harmony or space present. Or is the mind quiet around it? There may be thoughts, but the thoughts are in this very quiet mind. Whatever your experience was of this particular sit guided in this way, it's useful. It's how we relate, receive it, can enhance that usefulness. So in this way, uh, I invite you in the walking practice we're going to do now to take your mind-heart for a walk. Just let your mind-heart be in movement. You're in the body, and this mind-heart, whatever your experience has been, you're just letting it go for a walk. 
If it's an agitated feeling, take that agitated feeling for a walk. If it's if it's stirred up, like, uh, oh, I'm getting something and there's a little bit of wanting, leaning into, a little off-center, take that off-centeredness, that leaning into for a walk. Not in any way judging, comparing, or fixing your experience. But you're practicing practice as an end in itself. You're practicing walking practice. You're being present for your experience. Uh, I'm making suggestions as how to be present for your experience. But you're being present for your experience. So if my suggestions don't work, do something different. But as best you're able, as best you are able, underlined, 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 Take you take what's present for a walk in the mind heart. You have the right to do that. You have the right to do that. You can do that. We all can do that. We just get to believing we can't. We get separated from knowing that. So you're just taking it for, if you were rocking a baby, you wouldn't think, oh, I can't rock. Well, you might actually, but if the baby's crying a lot and won't be, consoled, but you know, you're just rocking the baby. You're, the sincerity of the rocking is, is the best you can do for that baby. That's what's going to calm the baby if the baby can be calmed right now. Sometimes it's that in time and you've just got to keep rocking, keep holding and uh, calming you and the baby together in that way is. So it is with when we take our, I take ourselves in practice in this way. So we will come back at uh, 10.45, 10.45.